Sarah, there are a few things in my life that once I find them, there's no going back. And one of those discoveries is comfortable, supportive, cute shoes from our sponsor, Vionic. I can confidently say I will never buy painful shoes again for a couple of reasons. But number one is that my podiatrist would be mad at me, right? Unsupportive shoes can cause so many issues and I don't have time for that. Oh, yeah, Megan, I hear you. The great thing is Vionic makes it easy to say yes to their shoes. And I think a perfect place to start is with the Vionic Vitals collection. These are the essential styles I grab first basically every day. The collection includes loafers, sandals, heels, flats, and sneakers. And between me and you, Megan, and our team member, Katie, we've tried and loved them all. I've been getting so many compliments lately on the Uptown Loafer, and I just clocked like 15 miles in this pair of shoes on a visit to New York City last month. So the comfort factor is no joke. Oh my gosh, I love my Uptown Loafers too so much. And right now I'm kind of living in the Malibu Beach slip-on. It's easy to try out Vionic shoes because every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial. Wear them, love them, or return for a full refund within 30 days. Use code themomhour15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis, and I'm here with you today with one of our monthly Voices episodes where we talk with interesting people about all kinds of topics. Today's guest is Lindsay Hine. She's a fellow Midwestern mom of boys ages two, four, six, and eight, and she's the host of two podcasts, Why Is Everyone Yelling?, which is an interview-based parenting podcast, and I'll Have Another with Lindsay Hine, where she talks to elite athletes like professional runners and Olympians. Because in addition to being really busy raising four little boys, Lindsay is also a lifelong runner. She's completed 16 marathons so far, and most of those came after she had kids. Even when Lindsay isn't training for a marathon, she makes time to run five or six days a week, and she coaches other runners, sometimes people who started later in life. In the interview, we talk a lot about how to ease in if you think you hate running but would like to enjoy it, as well as how to get past some of those mental blocks that can make it hard to stick to a running plan. We also talk about Lindsay's approach to keeping her kids active and interested in the outdoors, and then we wrap up the episode by diving into her journey after she tested positive for the BRCA2 genetic mutation and decided to have a prophylactic mastectomy when her oldest son was still a baby. Megan, summer is calling, and no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor, are here to keep us energized for everything that comes with it. Whether our listeners are planning on pool days, family bike rides, or evenings at the ballpark, Factor meals can be ready in two minutes whenever hunger strikes. There's no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. So talk about easy, right? Yeah, it doesn't get much easier than that, Sarah. Plus, Factor's chef-crafted meals also make it easy to stay on track with our wellness goals. Factor's meals are fresh, never frozen, and they include some seriously gourmet options like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. So here's how it works. Factor provides a weekly menu of 35 different choices, including preferences like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages. I recently signed my brother up for Factor Meals, and I covered his first couple of shipments as his birthday present. He just told me he's been loving them so much he plans to take over the subscription and keep on ordering. He is a nurse and works nights, so having a healthier option to quickly heat up on his break or when he gets home from a 12-hour shift is perfect. Well, listeners, what are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash momhour5050 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Sarah, I love it when the Mom Hour is able to partner with other female-founded brands, and that's the case with our sponsor, Our Place. Our Place makes stunning kitchen products that are healthy and sustainable. We've been testing out some items from Our Place for a little while now, so I'm curious, Sarah, what does your family think? 
Okay, well, we are absolutely loving our new bakeware set from our place. It's a five-piece set that includes three different sizes of baking dishes. So, you know, for your banana bread loaf, your brownies, your lasagna, all the things. And then it also comes with this griddle pan that works on the stovetop or in the oven. We chose the neutral steam color, and it's so pretty, but there are so many cool colors to choose from. Oh, that sounds so nice. Um, I picked sage, which is such a pretty green for our cookware set. And everything our place offers is non-toxic. They're really leading the way with their durable, easy to clean ceramic coatings. Unfortunately, a lot of other companies are still using forever chemicals because they're cheap, but there's so much research coming out about how harmful they can be. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter our code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, and the code is MOMHOUR. Hi, Lindsay. So glad to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. So the first thing I have to um, point out to everyone is that you have run 16 marathons, and I think, well, at least as of the time you originally reached out, maybe you've <laughs> squeezed another one in um, since then. And you have four sons who are two, four, six, and eight. So I have to know how many of those marathons were pre-kids and how many of them came after the kids? Oh, that's such a fun question. I think probably like six before the kids. So most of them have had, after, you've done after you've had small children. So I'm just so curious about this. Um, how, how are you training? What does training look like for you? And like, how long is that process before a marathon? So it has changed so much over the years, you know, like before we had kids running, you could just do it anytime, like anytime you want, you can go (laughs) make your runs. So, and I think, you know, having four kids, everything has evolved and changed and strategy has changed. There's been years when I've been a stay-at-home mom. There's been years where I've had part-time childcare. This past year, once uh, my big kids went back to school um, and we weren't virtual anymore, we sent our little two to daycare full-time for the first time ever. So this past year, even though I haven't run any marathons, has really been my most flexible year as far as finding time and childcare. And it has been such a huge, huge relief. But yeah, I mean... I think, you know, my husband's a runner too. So we tag team a lot. Like he'll go run at six in the morning. He'll come back and I'll take a turn. And we run together a lot on the weekends. We'll push the little guys in the stroller and our big guys will either stay home or ride their bikes. It's so nice to be able to just run through the neighborhood and have kids big enough to kind of right. fend for themselves a little bit. So. <laughs> right. Yes. At least they can kind of mobile, like move themselves forward. Right. Like they can ambulate in some way. It's nice. Yeah. And we'll be like, well, we're going to be doing neighborhood loops. So we'll check in, you know? So yeah, it's changed over the years. And I feel like actually, even though I'm not training for a marathon right now, and I haven't done one since the last marathon I did was, was the New York city marathon, November, 2019, um, kind of right before a few months before everything shut down. So, um, when it's time, when I find, when I find myself getting motivated to want to train again, I'll, I should be in a pretty healthy space, um, balance wise with work and childcare. Wow. Okay. So what does like a running life look like for you? Not, well, you're not training actively for a marathon. And then what does it look like when you are training for a marathon? I'm just trying to get an idea of what those, the contrast there. Totally. Yeah. I'm kind of like a runner for life. i am a lifelong runner. I've been running since I was a sophomore in high school when I joined the cross country team. So even when I'm not training for a marathon, I generally run five or six days a week, as long as I'm not injured. I'm just not running those big long runs and doing intense speed workouts midweek to try to like run a faster time. So I would say most days I'm running on the days that I run, I run between like five and eight miles. So you're doing that five days a week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm just laughing because like people who aren't runners, um, or (laughs) even people who are, are moderate runners would think maybe they run five miles in a month, you know? So (laughs) that's, that's significant even when you're not training for a marathon. Okay. So then what does it look like when you are like stepping things up? Yeah. So that's just like a way of life. I'm for, for marathon runners who are trying to run fast times and things like that. I would consider myself a lower mileage runner. So, um, I'm peaking out at like 50 miles a week, probably when I'm like peak, peak marathon training. I think I've also been coaching runners for several years. 
I think you can healthily train for a marathon running 35 miles a week, you know, if you're doing Mm. the right kind of training. And I think that one thing everybody needs to take into consideration when considering training for a marathon is your body is your body and it is like nobody else's body. So just because your neighbor might run 50 miles a week, your body might do best running 35 miles a week marathon training. So I do think that, you know, it's kind of, it should be a tailored experience for runners, but you know, running is just like a way of life for our family. Our kids have grown up seeing us. They're growing up seeing my husband and I run. He's a runner too. So it's kind of just like training for a race or not. It's just part of life for us. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So let's, let's back up a little bit and talk about running in general, because you said you started as a sophomore in high school, which I think, you know, high school track and cross country is when a lot of people do get started who consider themselves lifelong runners. But, you know, a lot of people don't like to run. Um, A lot of people wish they liked to run. A lot of people, I think, probably just think they don't like to run and haven't found the way to like it yet. So I Uh I kind of want to know, I just want to know, why do you like it? And I'm not asking that in (laughs) in an ironic way or like um, a sarcastic way, because I run very casually. And there are times I feel like I do like it. And then times I absolutely hate it. And I haven't quite figured out yet, like, what is it that I actually like? And what is it I don't like? um, And how could I push through that? And I think because it's so easy, and all you need is feet and shoes and walk out your front door. It's such a perfect exercise, like a lifelong exercise, especially for moms. And yet it can be so hard to get in to it if it, you know, hurts, or you can't get your breathing right. Or um, if you can't push past those, like the boredom, all of those things. So just tell me all of the things about running that you like and what you see when you talk to other people who are maybe on the fence. I mean, so first of all, even though I've been running for so long, there are so many days where I'm like, oh, I really don't want to deal with this run. (laughs) So many days. But also I know how much better I feel once I get home. I always feel like people who don't like to, you know, there are people who probably just never will like to run. And that's totally fine. My biggest message to the world is like, just move your body and do it in a a way that you enjoy it, right? Like most of us should and probably have the time to move our bodies for like 30 minutes a day. And it doesn't have to be running. I mean, that is what I, you know, I just know physically and mentally, we are going to be a happier culture and people if we can get out and move our bodies. Um, And for some people it's running, for some people it's not. But I always say the first mile is the hardest. And I think that's Mm -hmm. why a lot of people never get to that place where they're like, I actually enjoy this because you have to work up to the place where you can run more than a mile so that mm-hmm. your body can get warmed up. And, you know, for me, I usually start getting into the groove of a run at like miles three and four, which, oh man, you know, and that's like so hard to even think about getting to when, I when know. the first three are like such a slog, right? Yeah. Yes. We'll also say like, don't put pressure on yourself to run fast or do anything like that especially if it's someone new to running, like go out and walk for 10 minutes and then say, I'm going to run for one minute. I'm going to walk for a minute. I'm going to run for a minute. And I think when you slowly incorporate run intervals into your walks, you, you, you can slowly build up into a place where you can run for 10 minutes without stopping and then build from there. And you'll get to a place where once you get that warm up in, you feel better. I mean, it's kind of a time thing as a parent too, right? Like say you only have 30 minutes and you're like, I don't want to waste 10 of that walking if my right. <laughs> goal is to get a run in, but to just walk out the door and start running can feel like a shock to your body. So I do recommend like walk and then briskly walk and then kind of start jogging and ease into it. That is always super helpful. I love that advice. And I also like that, you know, you're saying like do the intervals because I think it's the idea, even if you're running really slow, the idea of running without stopping for some extended period of time can sound just dreadful, (laughs) very daunting. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think that you're also right that like moms want to make the most of their workouts. You know, you want to like, we want to maximize all of our time always, but maybe a way of maximizing over time is to actually ease in, which sounds counterintuitive, but actually isn't with anything really. Cause I mean, going too hard is a great way to injure yourself and then be sidelined. Totally. And that's always such a big bummer, especially when you've like worked up to a certain place you wanted to be in and then you find yourself injured. It's so discouraging. Yeah. Um, well, you, you mentioned that, um, that for the last, you know, you, your last marathon was right before the pandemic hit and that you obviously haven't done one since. 
I did understand that people were doing, you know, like virtual races. Is that something that you got into or was it just not the same for you? No, I did a few virtual races like right at the beginning. Um, one of my fellow running podcasters that I'm friends with, he he put on some virtual races. And so I, my husband and I both did his races. We did like a neighborhood loop. It's 1.2 miles. So we he did a 5K, a 10K and a half. And then he did a full. My husband did the full. I did not. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I, th- I think I'm going to cap out at the half for the <laughs> virtual races. Um, mostly also, though, because I didn't want to find myself injured because, you know, like during the pandemic, running was like my saving grace as far as my sanity goes. So I, the last thing I wanted to do was like try to ramp up to run a virtual marathon just to find myself injured. So, um, yeah, we did those and they were actually really fun. It was a really fun way to connect with people also doing them online and things like that. But, um, I'm trying to think, I don't think I've done, I don't think we've gone to any in-person races since then. I mean, they're open. There's tons of races out there now. Okay. So with virtual, like, how did it work? So everyone was kind of doing their own thing at home and then you were like logging your time. Like, how did that look? Yeah, you just like sign up. And basically, a lot of runners use a platform called called Strava and it's like a social media platform kind of for for runners and athletes. And you just kind of log it on there. And I mean, it's pretty much the honor system. And you're just like, this is what I ran, you know? Like, I'm Um, the best. Suddenly my time got so good, yes. Yeah, but I mean, it's still like, it's just fun to you're sharing it online and stuff like that. So there's some camaraderie there. It's just like any online community. There's a really robust running community online. So it's kind of fun to share in those moments with your fellow runners. So, um, you also coach runners virtually. Were you always coaching runners virtually like before the pandemic or is that had been more of a pandemic thing? No, I, I coach very few runners. I keep it really small because my main thing I do is, is podcasting, but I love coaching and people ask me questions all the time. So in, gosh, I gosh, it's been so long. It's 2012 is when I started coaching runners. I went and got certified RRCA certified. And, um, I just started doing like, you know, a few people at a time and at at points I built up to maybe having like 20 athletes, but now I, I literally keep it to like, five or six really intentionally so that I can give those people the attention that they need. But I love coaching people who are training for their first marathon, or maybe they want to get a Boston qualifier and things like that. Um, and I think, you know, there are so many amazing training plans out there and people can use those, but you really have to listen to your body and understand that there might not be a one size fits all training plan for you. And so that's where I think coaching kind of can come into place and and make sense for people. And honestly, some people need to be coached for like three months and then they can kind of get into the groove and figure things out. Um, And a lot of people I find just really like the accountability of a coach and not to not have to do the work and think about Mm. what do I need to do to get to this goal time? Do you ever have people who um, come to you and have started running later in life? Like they're not necessarily trying to you know, meet like some kind of a race school, but they're really just trying to become that lifelong runner or they're trying to incorporate it into their life. Um, do you, do you virtually coach those people or, or do you know a lot of people like that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that, I think that running has become more and more popular from people of, of all ages. And yeah, I've, I've had, oh my gosh, one of the first women I ever coached, I think she was in her I don't know, mid to late forties at the time. And I coached her to her first half marathon and marathon. And it was never about time. I mean, she wanted to get her times down. Like once she did her first half marathon, like next time, maybe I'll try to do a little bit faster, but it was all about learning how to run and, and how to fall in love with the sport. And sometimes those are the most fun people to coach because they're kind of unlocking this like joy that they never knew could be through running. Yeah. I love that. What are some things that you're noticing now about your own running life that's changing? Um, you know, you've had kids, I'm sure both that changes your body, especially having many in a row. Um, you're getting older. <laughs> what is different about running now than maybe it was 10 years ago for you? Well, I mean, I definitely have to be more careful about injury now for sure. Like the older you get, I think that that's just like, you know, everybody should be a little bit more cognizant of that. But, um, 
I actually ran my fastest marathon in between my third and fourth babies. Mm, okay. And that was in 2000. I, time goes by so fast. It's oh my gosh, crazy. I know. Well, and it's you like, didn't have a lot of time between babies. So like you didn't have a lot of non-pregnant or non-hugely pregnant time really in that 10 year, you know, 10 year, nine year period. Yeah. I feel like in between each baby, I always wanted to get back in shape so I could do a marathon and then have another yeah. baby, do a marathon, have another baby. <laughs> and it. so I like that one was in 2017 and I was one, one year postpartum pretty much exactly. Okay. And then I literally got pregnant the next month. <laughs> wow. Um, and so now my youngest is two and a half and I'm like, now I feel like I have, I, I, I haven't rushed back into it. Cause I'm like, I'm done having babies, you know, mm. but now I have this age thing on my side. And so right. it's kind of like, yeah, it's like, it's probably time if I want to like try to train for a fast marathon again, but I've also been enjoying the, like, I know it sounds crazy to say the slowdown because my kids are still young and there's four of them, but there's something about not having babies anymore. That is just oh my gosh. really nice. <laughs> Well, and your oldest now is kind of in those gravy. Actually, the older two yes. are like in those gravy years. And that's, that's like a golden age. And it they really can be is. helpful. And the little ones, you know, you got four little boys. I had that same, not exactly the same age um, break it down, but very similar. And like, they were just a pack of, you know, a little pack for so long. And it was really a fun, a really a fun time um, in those ages. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah. big boys, like they free range the neighborhood and run around a lot. And like, they're yeah. a lot of times they're gone for hours at a time with their buddies. So, um, you know, on, you know, like on the weekends, sometimes they'll be out playing with their friends for like five hours. And sometimes it's just the the two little ones. So it's, it's a lot more manageable. I will say though, and you probably have experienced plenty of this, the fighting is what gets me with the kids. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, for the love, please stop fighting. Yes. Um, I have to put myself in timeout often. Oh, well, I <laughs> yeah. did. They don't do it as much. Now it's just like verbal sparring um, yeah. with the occasional punch on the arm or something, but they're not, yeah. you know, nearly as like wild as they used to be. But I used to often have to just say, I don't know if anyone's hurting anybody. Is anyone hurting? No. Okay. I'm just going to leave <laughs> the room because it was like, it was fighting, but they weren't really mad. It was just so much physical. physical. Yes. So physical. So uh, yeah, I, I totally know that can be pretty overwhelming. And, um, gosh, Sarah and I just did an episode not too long ago where we talked about like the numbing, like the mom numbness where you don't even hear what's happening around you yeah. anymore. And you like, you just go into this happy place zone where you don't, you're just kind of unaware. And I think I spent about, I don't know, 10 years in that place. So <laughs> I get you, I get you. Um, okay. Well you, let's talk a little bit about your podcast because, well, you've got two and we'll, we'll talk about your parenting podcast in a little bit, but since we're in the running track right now, um, let's talk about your running podcast, which is called all have another with Lindsay Hine. Um, and you, you really interview some big names and, and people who, you know, maybe I wouldn't know who they are, but if you're in that world, you know who they are. So tell us about that show a little bit. And maybe are there any favorite interviews you've done or like really standout episodes? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I started that podcast in 2016. Isn't that crazy? Like how wow. I already said how fast time goes, but I'm like, how did I just get to five years? This is insane. I also feel like podcast time goes by like even on a different, Yeah, <laughs> it's like its own time clock or something or calendar. So yeah. Okay. Go ahead. For sure. Yeah. I, and I just like, I, you, you guys were probably the same way, maybe not, but like, I just couldn't find a podcast about running and life and motherhood and like all those things together that I enjoyed listening to. So I was like, I'm going to just start interviewing runners. And it was very, very basic at the beginning. I had no idea what I was doing. My audio was terrible, but I just kind of made it up as I went. And I, I remember getting my first actual pro runner on the show. I think it was like episode seven or something like that. And that was such a huge deal to me because when I started the show, I thought I'm just going to interview friends that also run. Right. I'm right. just going to interview yep. everyday runners. And I still do interview everyday runners. But as time went on, I started interviewing more professional runners. And that's really what I focus on now is people who are training at really high levels. A lot of people who have who have ran in the Olympics, who have meddled in the Olympics. Um, a lot of people training for the Olympic trials right now. And I love talking about their running. Uh, but I also just love hearing the behind the scenes stuff like that also parts of their life that have nothing to do with running. Like who were you growing up that, mm. and, and like, how did your parents cultivate your help cultivate your relationship with athletics and things like that to, um, 
make you become who you are today. Like there's something about athletes at that really high level. Like what's different about you? You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. You're obviously like very physically talented, but there's a big mental game that you have going on as well. And so I always just try to figure out like how they are, who they are, how they've become wow. who they are. Let's talk about that mental game. Um, because I think, you know, me as a very casual runner or anything that I've done, whether it's yoga or something that requires showing up again and again and like committing yourself to it, it's the physical stuff really can be stripped away pretty quickly. And so much of it is what your mind is telling you about whether you want to be doing that or not, or whether you yes. think you're tired or whether you think you hurt. Um, there have actually been times when I think I hurt and then I think about it for a second. I'm like, no, I don't. Nothing hurts. Like, but my <laughs> brain is trying to make me stop doing whatever I'm doing. So do you have strategies now after, after having done this for so long, you said that there are times you don't want to run. How do you move past that? And what have you learned from those like really elite athletes about how to do that? Like at the next level and then the next level after that. Yeah. I mean, for me, when to like get motivate myself to run, I always think about the end result. I always like you're going to be so much happier at the end of the day. You're going to be so have so much more energy to finish your interviews for the day or you know like you're going to feel so much more tired at bedtime because you worked your body physically. So I always think about like the end result in day-to-day life. Now in races, it's a different story. You get into a race or maybe a hard workout where you are working really hard and you really are pushing your body and I even the professionals, some of them will say this, not all of them you get to that point in a race where like, why am I even doing this to myself? Like, (laughs) this is miserable. This is so hard. Um, And I think you just kind of have to talk yourself off that cliff. And a lot of times like in a, in a race or even in a hard workout, when I'm like, this is so freaking hard, Mm. I will muster up like a smile and think about like how grateful I am that my body actually can do what it's doing and how cool it is that like, okay, I'm not that old. I'm 37, whatever. But like I have four kids and all all these, you know, day-to-day physical challenges I walk through. I know that's not like, you know, I'm so grateful I'm healthy, but like it's exhausting to have four kids. Right. Right. And so like, I think in that moment, like I'm out here by myself, I'm free. I'm free of any other responsibilities. And you know, if my, he's eight now, but like, even when he's 10 or 12 wants to go like race me a mile, how cool is that, that I could probably keep up with him. Right. Like, yeah, I always just think about those, those end feelings and like how grateful I am that my body can move the way it moves. And then, um, as far as the, the pros go, man, I mean, they are just at a whole nother level. I mean that, you know, when you're running professionally and that is your job, that is what you're paid to do. You sure as heck better have your mental game in check. And a lot of these people are working with sports psychologists and it's so routine for them. Wow. Um, but I, I do think, you know, based on conversations I've had with them, they they really have to work on that mental game to stay sharp. Yeah, I can imagine. It's like, uh, um, I love what you're saying about like thinking of the end result, because the minute you let yourself get stuck in like the what you feel right this minute uh-huh. and spiral there, um, no matter, it really doesn't matter what you're doing. You can be doing the dishes. I mean, like, you yes, can talk yes. yourself out. You could talk yourself out of anything if you can't get through like how I feel right this minute. And it is that endurance. Um, and I think with practice, you start to, it's like you, um, it's like a muscle that you flex, like you really see how what I, I did it yesterday. I didn't want to, but I finished it. It felt really good. Now I'm a little bit better or I'm a, you know, I can go a little longer. And like, once you build and keep building that foundation, it becomes easier. But at the beginning, like it, it or even, I guess if you've had a setback or you're maybe trying to level up or just having a bad day, um, getting stuck in that moment is really, that's, that's can be like the death knell for anything. Right. Yeah. And I remember my cross country coach, one of them in, in high school, I, he would always talk about consistency and it's so true to this day. And I always, I tell people this, who are like just wanting to get started with working out, whether it's running or like I was saying earlier, like any physical exercise on a regular basis, consistency is king. Like there's no point to go out and run or do whatever for just one hour and then drop it for 10 days. Like I would, I would much rather someone do 15 minutes daily because once you get into a routine, like anything else in life, then it's going to feel like this is just part of my life. This is what I do with my life. And so yeah. that's what I always say. Consistency is king. It's not like, it's like brushing your teeth. You don't think about it. You don't yeah. ask yourself, am I going to brush my teeth today? 
I don't, I don't feel like brushing my teeth today. Right. <laughs> you just get up and do it. <laughs> I also am all for the rest days. Like I relish in a, in a rest day. Like if I say I'm going to run five or six days a week and I am like Sunday, I'm not doing anything. Yeah, sure. I'll get up and like move around and mess with my kids and go for a walk with my kids or whatever. But like I am fully embracing not running that day and, and enjoying yeah. that moment. And not feeling guiltier or like not you're missing all. something. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Megan, I know we have a lot of moms in our community who really care about their kids' nutrition, but don't love the kids' gummy vitamins they're finding at the store. I get it. And so did the folks with our sponsor, Haya Health. Haya makes a kids' chewable multivitamin that kids love and that parents can feel great about. The company was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of those more popular children's vitamins, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's Daily Kids Multivitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website, so go to HayaHealth, H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. And Megan, you know, I've really stepped it up lately when it comes to health and wellness. I mean, I've told you this, but I go to an actual exercise class multiple times a week outside my house. That said, it's always tempting to want to do things perfectly. And here's the thing. A flawlessly clean diet is not something I'm ever going to achieve. Thankfully, Ritual is here telling moms it's okay not to be perfect. We love that message, right? Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin helps fill in key nutrient gaps to support foundational health with high quality traceable ingredients in clean bioavailable forms, which means your body can actually access and use them. Yeah, Sarah, I appreciate that Ritual's multivitamin is clinically backed. They put loads of research into their formulation, and Ritual is also soy-free, gluten-free, vegan-friendly, and formulated without GMOs. And this might sound kind of silly, but I love how pretty the packaging is and how the mint tab in each bottle helps keep those capsules smelling fresh. Oh, I love that too. Those little details make a big difference. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start ritual or add essential for women 18 plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Okay. I'm back with Lindsay Hine and Lindsay, uh, we just talked about your show. I'll have another with Lindsay Hine. And we talked a lot about running and the marathons that you've run and hopefully we'll run in the future, but Let's dig into some more of just like the mom life stuff that I know anyone out there with a bunch, like with a big, big bunch of boys in their house will <laughs> understand where you are. So you've got boys ages two, four, six, and eight. What is your life like right now? <laughs> well, this is kind of crazy. We're getting ready to move actually to North Carolina from Indiana. So it's kind okay. of crazy right now. Yeah. Like so crazy. Um, my big, so my kids are in kindergarten and second grade and they're about, this is their last week of school. Mm -hmm. And so we're also transitioning, like, since we're moving, the little boys are done with daycare. So now I have a babysitter in my house a couple of days a week. Um, but yeah, you know, like Monday through Friday, it's just get up, get everybody to school, get them on their way, work, run. Of course, yeah. we've talked about yeah. that a million times. I always say like make an hour for that into my day because I'm so much more productive with work when I do it. Um, and then just, I mean, just every day it's, it's nothing glamorous, nothing exciting, like get them from school, go to soccer, make dinner, get everybody in bed. I mean, it's pretty right. routine and start we, it all the next day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we live in a pretty, this is a pretty special neighborhood we live in that I'm pretty sad to leave, um, where we have a good amount of really close neighborhood friends that my kids can run around and play with like I was talking about earlier and I'm, I'm pretty free rangey as far as, as far as my parenting goes. Like I let my kids kind of run around quite a bit. And so that's a really fun part of our neighborhood and our life. Um, 
but yeah, it's pretty, pretty basic and, and nothing super glamorous. So you mentioned um, in the first half of the show that you're, you're really into routines and you're pretty, you know, habit based where it's like, get up and do the thing every day and, and really stick with it. Do you have a certain time of day that you find that fitting running in works the best for you? I love running right after I get my kids to school. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah. I, in a perfect world, I would love to run at 8 a.m. Like mm-hmm. get up at six, have my coffee, drink, uh, read yeah. my books, do all the things. But 8 a.m. is like prime getting kids to school time. So yes, absolutely. Know, they, yeah. they went there. But um, and our public schools, our kid, our big kids don't go to school till 915. Oh, that's so, late. Wow. OK, so late. <laughs> and we live across the street from the school. I know people are probably like, why the heck are you moving? That sounds right. perfect. <laughs> right. Um, so really, it is 915. It's not like they're getting on the bus at 840 to get to right. school. Right. You like, are walking are them walking. across. Yeah. Walking across the school or across the street and at 915 and then you're out the door at 916 or something like that. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I love running right after I get them to school because I kind of feel like that's a good way. I actually I like to get up, drink my coffee, read a little bit, get a little bit of work done then start rolling everybody, getting everybody to school and then run because I, I, then I feel like I've gotten work done first, you know? Yeah. And you know, that first hour of the day, if you can power out some work in that one hour, it's so much more efficient than any other hour of the day. Well, and it sets you up for the whole, it sets you up for that productivity. Whereas if you spend an hour just kind of staring at the wall or doing nothing, um, I find that I start to kind of like, it's really hard to get out of that inertia and, and, You know, same with physical activity. And I know this has been something, you know, we talked about just moving, whether it's running or um, walking or whatever it is for you going to the gym. Um, I always like I find myself if I overthink the time that I'm going to do it, I start to get stuck in these like really weird mental traps where it's like, but if I go at 11, do I eat before I go or do I eat after uh-huh. I get back? What do I do with my hair between now and then? Do I put my workout clothes on? <laughs> like, it's like I just give myself too many options and then it becomes mental clutter. So I really like, even though sometimes I resist it, it is so effective just to get stuff out of the way as soon as you can. Well, I know. And I'm, I'm having that debate right now because after this interview, I'm going to go for a run because I had another one at nine. So I didn't have the time, you know, after drop off. And yeah. I'm like, I really base my day around my showers. I, yes. I'm obs- I am obsessed with when I get my shower in. I just like to be showered and done for the day. And now I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get my shower in till like one. Yeah. And then is it going to be too late for my afternoon coffee? You know, like, right. like you start to things. spiral mentally about like the timing of everything. And uh-huh. yes, it, it uses up a lot of mental energy. Oh my I goodness. I love totally it when other normal. people, I, I love hearing it. It's not just me because I, I spend a lot of time thinking about the bra I'm going to wear too. Like, well, should I wear, should I yes. put on my sports bra when I get up in the morning? Because I'm going to totally. need it eventually, but it's not that comfortable. I mean, you know, you know, well, I'm going. Yeah. And then <laughs> yes. if you don't, if you're like, if I don't shower till two, like, is it worth even putting makeup on for the day? But I feel better right. if I put makeup on. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, that's part of the reason I'm an audio podcaster. Um, and I prefer to not do much video because then I don't have to worry about my makeup unless I'm, unless I have a good reason. So totally. I love it. Well, let's talk about your parenting podcast. Um, so this was something that kind of came from, it's called why is everyone yelling, which I think is such a great name. Um, but it came from, you have already, you know, you having, I'll have another with Lindsay Hine where you were really interviewing professional runners and then maybe talking about parenting a little bit. Was it just that you couldn't delve enough into the parenting topics on that show and you wanted to talk about it more? Yes, for sure. Like, because as I'll have, as I'll have another evolved, it became very clear to me, this is a running podcast. My core listenership, like those people are coming to hear about the running stuff. Now I, yes, I definitely parlay my motherhood into it here and there. And especially like if I'm interviewing a, another mom who is a runner, you know, like I recently had an interview with uh, a woman who is a professional ultra runner, but she's also a full-time physical therapist and she has three kids. So like that kind of interview, we're talking about mom stuff a lot more, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, I do focus on the running there. And so long story short, I, I started a podcast network called Sandy Boy Productions. And with a couple of my girlfriends, we started this podcast called the Illuminate Podcast. And we were just bringing on stories of people doing really good, inspiring work in the world, a lot of nonprofit founders and things like that. But I found myself 
steering towards wanting to interview people on parenting related things. And I got into positive parenting interviews and things like that. And so as time went on, I just had more and more questions that I wanted answered about my own parenting. And um, actually, the girl who works for me, Emma, uh, she kept encouraging me, she's my assistant, to start a parenting podcast. And, you know, I know how much work goes into starting a podcast. Like, right. it's a lot. <laughs> there's, there's so many factors. And I finally just actually last September um, took the steps to make it happen. And so, yeah, it's called Why Is Everyone Yelling? And the whole idea of that podcast is I'm interviewing people that know a lot more about the topics that I'm interviewing them on. and hopefully helping. I always say in the intro, like my goal is that you listen to this episode and you can walk with either something small that you can use in your everyday life, or maybe it's something life-changing in your entire, you know, parenting life that can help you in the grand scheme of things. And some are more serious, some are more lighthearted. I actually just got off an interview before this talking about alcohol that podcast. And man, that's kind of a deep one because I feel like that's a topic that's, it's hard to talk about. It's it, but we have this whole like mom wine culture thing going on. And so my guest is someone who has made the choice to be alcohol free and she's eight months alcohol free. So, um, that was a super interesting one. I'm really excited to get it out. Yeah. That is a huge topic right now. And, um, and you know, in the mom hour, we've done some content around that. And it's something that we hear a lot about from listeners and, um, and it, it gets tricky. It's like, it's tricky. you know, every, it's, it's tricky because you want to, everyone wants to kind of be able to be fun and hang out and like be, you know, and there but it becomes these tropes that are just associated mm-hmm. with like alcohol and stress relief. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tricky one. I, I'll look forward to listening to that episode too. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like you're having a lot of fun with that. I love that you referred to yourself as kind of a free range parent too. Yeah. Um, I was definitely <laughs> that way when my kids were younger in particular. And I know that can even be kind of a sticky parenting topic. And um, it, it's interesting how, how opinionated people can be on one side or the other. And I always kind of looked at it as, well, this is just how I do things. Like you don't have to do yep. things this way. Um, but I, it's, it's funny how things that can seem so normal and just uh, every day for you can actually be things that other people are debating about. Um, and that's just a, that's a place to be in the, in the internet, um, the internet world, right. Where it's like all parenting topics can be, can be tricky if someone out there cares enough to make it that way. So uh, that's, that's something. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I know. I, I mean, I think for sure my, like my husband's sisters, he has three sisters. Like they definitely probably have always thought like, what are you doing? Letting your like <laughs> walk down the street like that. And you know, it's, it's the little things too, though. Like, you know, if we go to Starbucks or something like that and, and it makes sense for like, we're, we're somewhere and we're all sitting down. I'm like, Oh, you can go order that yourself. Like I don't right. need to go stand with you. It's just like giving them the freedom to, to do things on their own. Yeah. And then they learn, um, that was definitely something with my boys that I really wanted to instill in them pretty early on is to be able to advocate for themselves and to talk to adults and like, to talk to people that weren't mom and dad, because I thought, well, there's just too many of you. Like I can't be the one who's always, um, negotiating every purchase with you. And like, you're going to have to learn how to hand a guy five bucks and get your change back and say, please. And thank you. And look him in the eye and like all those things. And I feel like those things are just best learned through experience and the younger, the better in my opinion. So that was definitely, um, a big part of life with my boys when they were younger. And and I think they're pretty confident now, which I like. Um, and Clara too, it, it was just, she came along a little later, but, um, but I like that. I like knowing that they can all do that. They can go ask for what they need or navigate, um, an unfamiliar situation and not be freaked out by it. You also have told me that you are, you know, you're raising kids who are active and you want them to love the outdoors. That's really important to you. So what are some ways that you help foster that? Well, I mean, I think one of the really big ways is we incorporate them into our running and our, you know, physical, like yesterday, I, my husband was with the little two boys at the hardware store. And, um, one of my other kids was at one of the neighbors. The other one came home from the other neighbors and I was heading out for a run and he rode his bike with me for four miles. And then, you know, then I dropped him at the house and I did a couple more miles, but I, this seriously was 
one of the best parenting moments of like the eight years I've been doing this on the way back on the bike ride, we had like five minutes left and we had been out there for like 35 minutes. And I said, yeah, we've already been going for 35 minutes. And he was like, oh, that felt like 10. I can't believe we've been going that long. And I was like, oh my gosh, because not only did that make me so happy because like he was enjoying just riding his bike with me. We were also talking during that run too. Mm. So like Mm -hmm. this was like a non-forced conversation, which, you know, you're ahead of me in all this. Like as your kids get older, you sometimes feel like you're like forcing conversations because you're trying to connect and they're not interested in talking to you. They want to like go do their own thing. And so I just feel like when you incorporate that physical activity into your conversation, so he's paying attention to riding his bike and looking around, you can like really slip in some really meaningful conversations yes. that yeah. probably wouldn't have happened if you were just like sitting at the table together. I mean, good conversations happen there too. It's just different. It is different. And it's more honest in a way. I think when it just comes up naturally like that, when you're just together and no one's like, you're not staring at them and asking them leading questions yes. where you're hoping to get an answer and they're feeling, they feel more natural and more comfortable and it just comes out. And, um, those are great moments. And, you know, I do think it's those casual, relaxed one-on-one moments where you can have those experiences and that's so great. And it, and it does happen again and again, and it'll it'll keep happening when they're older. And, um, I have a feeling you're going to find that that shared activity is going to open up a lot of opportunities with your kids when they're teenagers. That's definitely what I have found. Yeah. And also like this goes back to that alcohol conversations I was just having with my other guests on why is everyone yelling? It's like so many times you think you're at a concert or you're at an event and you think like something like alcohol is, is making that experience fun. Like, Oh, I'm going to have a couple beers. But what you really figure out is it's the experience and the people that are making it fun. So it's like, you know, going out and doing those things with your kids, like it's that experience. And also like the physical moving of the body, I just think brings up more creative conversations that like wouldn't have happened otherwise. So I just really try to focus on, on that. And I, and I also feel like when we're out in those, those moments, my kids just come up with stuff that I'm like, I don't think that he would have brought that up to me, you know, had we not been out doing Mm -hmm. this. So, um, yeah, for sure. And, and we go hiking and, and things like that. And just, you know, one of the things throughout this parenting podcast I've learned is I've really been paying attention to outside time and through the pandemic, like we focus so much. I know you're in Michigan, I'm in Indiana. So like, it's hard to get outside. Yeah, it when is. It's cold I know. Out. So we yeah. made like goals for ourselves to like get out a certain time hours of the day. And, and I also think that that's just like huge in connecting with them, even if we're not running or whatever, just like being physically outside is such a game changer. And even on those cold winter days, and yes, I definitely agree. It's hard. It's especially hard to convince the kids to like go out after a certain age. Um, but I've, you just feel good when you've done that, even if you had to bundle up and even if it was cold and kind of miserable when you did it, you just have that feeling when you get back inside of like, like that good, tired feeling mm-hmm. and, um, and sleep, like you mentioned earlier, like you sleep better, the stress levels are lower. It really is just so good for you. And it's good for you. And, and I have to remind myself of this time. Sometimes that it's just as good for you in January as it is in June. It just feels yep. a little bit different when you're doing it. Just got to bundle up. It's a lot yep. more work. Exactly. Well, let's um, end by talking about um, this experience that you had that I'm fascinated by in your twenties. And you only, I think you just had your oldest son at this yep. point. Um, but you found out that you were positive for the BRCA2 gene mutation, which um, I don't know the statistics around it, but it, that's a pretty high chance you will eventually develop breast cancer if you have that mutation. Is that correct? So tell us that whole story. Like, why did you get genetic testing done? And were you expecting that that would be the result? Um, and then what you decided to do about it? Yeah. So it is like 86% chance lifetime wow. risk. So it's really okay. high. Um, I got the testing done because my grandmother, she had breast cancer in her forties and then, um, she was actually diagnosed stage four and survived. And it was not like super expected that she would, she went on to, to live like, you know, 25 more years. And, um, she ended up getting ovarian cancer and she ended up passing away from that. But when she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, that's when she got the BRCA test. And it's such a sad thing because had she been able to, she got the BRCA test five years prior to, you know, that diagnosis, she could have had a hysterectomy and, but, you know, still been here with us today. Um, 
But so then, you know, so when you when you have a parent that has the mutation, you are a 50% chance of inheriting it. So uh, my mom and all of her siblings got tested and two of three of them had the mutation. So since my mom is positive, my sisters and I, I have two sisters, we all got tested. And so, um, you know, my mom, when she found out, she was like 49. And mm, so- wow. Yeah. And so she was kind of in a good spot because she was like, well done having kids. She had, she had us very, very young. And so she was like very well past that stage of her life. And, um, so she just elected to do everything, uh, mastectomy, hysterectomy, get it all out. And so with me, you know, it's, I was just at a totally different phase in my life than my mom. And so my sisters got tested before me and it's, it's so interesting because they are not super fearful as far as health related things go. They kind of just take things as they come where I've always been hyper aware and Mm. paranoid about things. And so once they were negative, I was like, I have to go get this test. And I kind of assumed I would be positive because I was like, what are the odds that all three of us are going to be negative? You know? Right. Yeah. Um, so I had had my first son, I had just kind of finished breastfeeding and Really breastfeeding is one of the reasons why I was pulled to, to do it because, you know, when you're breastfeeding, like you get clogged milk ducts and like, right. you're just, just like, and, and also you're just super anxious because you're postpartum and your hormones are going crazy. And so every time I had like any kind of milk issue, I'd be like, is this a lump or is it, is it milk? Right. It's like, oh gosh, I get it's it out? so hard to tell. I'd be like, yeah, right. everything feels lumpy yes. <laughs> yeah, when you're nursing. Yeah. And I'd be yeah. like, I need to get it out right now to make sure that it's, it's actually milk. And, you know, right. and so I was super in my head about it. And, um, you know, that was one of the things is like choosing to get a, have a mastectomy. It's like, I knew I wanted more kids. And so obviously when you choose to have a mastectomy, you're giving up breastfeeding. Mm. But to me, like the fear of always wondering and always being paranoid just outweighed that so, so very much. So. Um, the first thing though was, was choosing to get tested because I really didn't want to do it, but I knew yeah. that if I didn't get tested, I would just live every day wondering like, what if, what if, what if? And yeah. so I just decided like the weight of knowing whether I am or whether I'm not like, I needed that off my shoulder. So, um, once I, I got the test, which by the way, they like the test got lost in like, it took two extra weeks to find the results. And so it's like, you know, when you're waiting for something, you're like, and then you have to wait even longer. But anyway, my doctor called in when it was her instead of like, you know, a paper in the mail or the nurse. I, yeah, I you're much like, oh, this isn't me. great. Yeah. 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 Um, so we just decided together that I would go ahead and have the mastectomy and um, did that. Everything was fine. I I, um, did the mastectomy, did an exchange surgery three months later. So I had like the expanders in and everything Mm -hmm. and got my breast implants put in and then, um, you know, just continued, continued on having babies. And so what, what I do now is, um, I get ultrasounds of my ovaries every six months. Cause when you have the BRCA mutation, you're also at a 40 something percent chance of, of ovarian cancer in your lifetime as well. So, um, yeah, I get that monitored every six months. It's not fun. I don't enjoy it. It's like, it's, you know, transvaginal ultrasound every six months, get Mm. blood work done. And it brings me anxiety every six months. It is not fun, but I'm committed to doing it. Um, and then the other piece to that is now that I'm done having kids, I need to decide like when I'm going to choose to have my hysterectomy, which, you know, it's Again, time flies. Like right. I was 29 when I figured all this out. Now I'm 37 and we kind of put the timeline of 40. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you'll probably be done having kids by then. And then we, you know, then we can maybe schedule the surgery. And so as I'm closing in on 38, I'm like, oh, I'm getting so close. And, yeah. you know, it's going to be a relief to get it done. But also right. it just feels like you're really closing a chapter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, oh, well, I had um, I had a hysterectomy, not just total. So I kept my ovaries, but um, in when I was 35. So I totally know that feeling like I didn't want more kids. <laughs> like, yeah, truly, truly did not at that point. And it was a relief 
um, to have that off the, and mine was for really early stage cervical cancer. So it had to happen. I didn't have really a choice in the matter and I couldn't even have waited. Like, it wasn't like I could say, oh, let's yeah. wait, you know, four years and maybe I'll squeeze another baby in there. It really had to happen. So part of it was a relief because then it took the choosing out of my hands and obviously mm-hmm. because it was necessary for my health, but there was just this little part of me that was like, oh, I guess I'm hanging, like hanging her up, you know? Like, yeah, it's done. Uh, yeah, it's done. Exactly. And it was taken out of my hands and that is bittersweet. It's, it was nice and, and sad at the same time. Yeah. So yeah. I'm wrestling with that right now. And you know, yeah. it's like with the running thing too, I'm kind of like timing things out with that as well. I'm like, well, I, you know, like, well, cause with getting your ovaries out too, you have that like hormone shift. Right. And, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to entertain hormone replacement therapy and things like that. But, um, yeah, it, it, I feel like it's going to feel nice, just final, you know, just yeah. like, you know, so, I mean, you know, you've been through it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, um, I will say that once I didn't ever have a period again, I got over that pretty quick. <laughs> So I am sometimes I think that. back and I'm like, I haven't had a period in eight years and I'm do not miss it. So, um, there is some good sides and it definitely does simplify something. So yeah, but I'll have to, I'm really going to be curious what, what the hormone therapy is like for you and all that. And I'll have to check in with you and find out. Cause I, I know we've actually also got some listeners who are, um, who've dealt with both mastectomy and hysterectomy and, um, and I'm sure that they will be curious as well. So we'll have to have them check. I'm sure you'll be talking about it on your socials and all that as yeah. well. So yeah. definitely check out the show notes and find um, and find just where to get updates on Lindsay's life as she goes through all this. And gosh, Lindsay, that's, that's just a lot going on. Is there anything else coming up that is, you know, not surgical, but that maybe, um, <laughs> maybe listeners might want to hear about or follow over on your channels? Well, I mean, I would just say if you're into running, definitely check out I'll have another podcast where I interview the runners. And if you're into parenting, which I assume you are, if you're listening right. to the mom hour, um, mom hour, you guys are like OGs of parenting podcasts. You guys have been, been around, around forever. A bit. We've been around a bit. Yes. Yeah. And I think, I think most of our listeners are moms and if they're not, then okay. Hello, whatever you're here for, but, um, probably here for the mom content for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Check out why is everyone yelling if you're here for that. And then, um, you know, I'm on Instagram and I usually share about a combination pretty evenly of both running and, and motherhood over there. So, um, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing that's going on with us right now is this move. It's like, whew, moving halfway across the country with four kids is, is not, it's going to be disruptive. It just is, but it's, we're excited about the adventure. Yeah. Uh, it will be an adventure. And I've, I did the same thing, not quite as, as far of a move, but I had several moves when my kids were all really little. And, um, my, my best advice is don't pack anything you don't want to take. <laughs> oh my means, gosh. <laughs> that means do all of that purging before you go. And, uh, you might have to take a heavy hand with the kids and their, and their toys. That's, that's another thing. I mean, too. that is what I am most excited about. I'm like, yeah. how much can we get rid of? Like how right. much can we purge out of this house? Because I mean, I am one of those people, like I try to be minimalism Mm -hmm. to the extreme almost, but it still piles up. Where does all this stuff come from? I have the same feeling. Like, I don't, I don't think I've even been to the store. How come there's so many more things than there were two months ago? I don't get it. It's kids. They just, they just accumulated. It just comes out of nowhere sometimes. So it'll, it'll feel really good for you to do that purge and move with, you know, half the stuff that you had going into it. Exactly. hundred percent. Well, Lindsay, this has been so great. Um, thank you so much. And again, everyone listening, if you just check out the show notes, you'll find links to Lindsay's podcast and her social accounts. Um, and I'm looking forward to catching up with you and finding out how things go in the future. Thank you so much, Megan. Hey, all. And thanks for listening to this episode of the Mom Hour Voices. I wanted to remind you that we're hiring and you've got just a few days left to get your application in. Go to themomhour.com slash hiring to find out more and to fill out the application. And you can actually use the same application for all three positions we're hiring for. And we'll be taking those applications until midnight on June 8th. Find out more at themomhour.com slash hiring. And we'll be back with you Tuesday with a brand new episode. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. 
It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction. And Erica helps them build healthy habits in self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%. 